welcome to the Evil Pudding Podcast. How's everyone doing? Hey, Pat? I'm good. I'm here for episode five. Ooh. And uh, wait for our music to turn down just a little bit as we're going. But uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. We got a new setup going on. Yeah. Uh, we got two microphones set up, so. We do. I feel so spread out. You're so far away. It, feels, it actually feels different than the last couple of weeks because I'm not close to you. But it's kind of cool because you got your space, I got my space. On that note, you know, obviously everybody out in the world of. Let us know how the sound sounds, how the feedback is there. Yes, it's too loud. Please. I've been messing with it for, I don't know, like an hour and a half now, almost it feels like, uh, trying to get them to balance right, but let us know. And our mics are set up uh, a little different. We have two mics, like you said, but our mics are set up a little differently where you shouldn't hear as much of the background noise, so that's Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have the omni sound, omni sound yeah. focus. It's more of a, a cone focus, like directly in front of the mic. So, and, side note, been sitting here the last couple episodes and you're clicking in the background because our computer was running we thought the dang video card on it was running out of control turns out it was a wire <laughs> clipping the damn fan when i took it apart so uh as you noticed there's no background clicking sound we've gotten rid of it he's he's like seriously so good at all of this i'm so proud of him i'm lucky yeah <laughs> it's more lucky when i go in there and start taking you're just things lucky. apart I'm like hey it works the luck of the irish is that yeah. what it is something like that he has irish in him you have any pat takes, hot takes for this week? By the way, I'm your host, Courtney, in case you're new here. And we have a lot of new listeners. I cannot believe I forgot to say that. Yeah, and, you know, Courtney's the, the researcher and the guru on this. I, if you haven't heard it before, I am here for the commentary. I have no idea who we're talking about every week until she brings it up. That's some right. of them I know, some of them I don't. But I don't know who that the topic is of the week until Courtney starts talking about it. Uh, sometimes I'll get it right on the head when I'm guessing. Other times I'm way off. You got it last week. I mean, I was a little upset at how quickly you got it last I mean, it week. It is a Black Dahlia. Yeah, it was a Black Dahlia. Everyone knows that one. Everybody knows that one. But, I've, I've been married to you for quite a while, so I know a lot of these people. But <laughs> And that's Patrick. That's my husband. And he brings a lot to the table, mainly comic relief from these serious, scary cases. Shut <laughs> up. A little brevity, a little light to the, lightness to it. Just to, a little uh, bit. A little darkness that we go into every time around here. Well, this is a little break from, like, the darkness this week. Mm-hmm. You said that every single week. It is. We're not going to get into the blood and gore. But this is going, this is a deep dive into somebody. It is such a deep dive that I did you the favor, Patrick, my editor-in-chief, of um, making this a two-part episode. So part one will be today, and then we'll upload part two Maybe sooner than later. Hopefully, but I kind of want to get it out this part weekend? two over the weekend. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Um, so episode five is going to be a two-parter. Then I guess technically what episode seven is. No, it's still going to be episode six. Episode. It's, it's still going to be episode five. Even so parts. episode six, the case, it's going to be a shorter case, but it's going to be gnarly because I've kind of taken a, uh, a break for the past couple of weeks from the blood and guts and yeah the, the first two or three were, were kind of, no the first two were kind of rough we're gonna we're gonna turn it up so enjoy these deep dives the next couple of days into just this psychotic person yep. i'd say uh you'll see what i mean and we, we've there. had some uh, requests we uh, have so we appreciate y'all guys for, for i love requests. y'all's feedback so much one of which we thought no one would want to hear um so obviously i'm probably gonna know when we do that one but we didn't think anybody would want to hear it, but uh, apparently Ted Bundy is someone that everyone wants us to go into. 
we just thought everybody had heard Ted Bundy's story a million times between the movie Shockingly Evil and you know, Excessively Vile. That's not what it's called. I oh, forgot what it's called. It's Shockingly Evil and something. Yeah, it's really good, though. That's yeah. good. And then the confession tapes on Netflix. But if y'all want me to do Ted Bundy, then I will do Ted Bundy. But I'm going to do Ted Bundy right. Yeah, we're going to be here like 12 hours. It's going to be It's <laughs> going to really. be a journey, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a journey. Y'all are going to be Ted Bundy'd out by the time I get done with Ted Bundy. But don't worry, that's not who we're doing that's today. What that's what they're asking for. Some of you will look into that one. Y'all ask and... I'm here to give it. So, so who are we talking on today? Okay, so um, we are talking today. It's Women's History Month, isn't it? March? Yeah, yeah I believe so. So um, I thought that we would cover a woman serial killer, although I don't want to be identified with her, but... Okay, so I got two or three in mind. You do? Who do you have in mind? Uh, let's see. There's, um, well, it starts with an E. Eileen Warnos. Eileen Warnos. That starts with an A, by the way, but yes. A. There, then there's Dorothea Puentes or Puente, whatever you say her name. And then, um, oh, there's a third one I can't think of at the moment. Yeah. Dorothea Puente is who we are talking about today. Yeah. Dorothea Puente, the killer granny. I know, it sounds, don't click away because, y'all, this one is... What? The other one I was thinking of was the girl from Louisiana. Hmm. Uh, they thought it was a cult killing with voodoo and all that stuff. Oh, uh, Marie Laveau? No, not Marie Laveau. I can't remember. I've heard it on a couple other podcasts. Um, I'll have to look it up. She was, was basically thought it was voodoo killings in Louisiana back in like the 19, early 19, late 1800s. Oh, okay. I'll go back and look. Okay. We'll do her one day too. Okay, so today we're doing Dorothea Puente, the killer granny. And... I was actually going to, this, I was going to cover her because I knew this case very surface level, but the more I read about her, the more I dug in, I'm like, this could be easily a two-part series. Talked about making it a three-part, but we stuck with two parts. She is something else. She will not disappoint. Stay with me. <laughs> um, so today, in part one, we're going to cover her early life. We're going to see kind of what where she came from, and uh, was she born evil? Was she made evil? We always talk about that. And then in part two, we're gonna cover kind of her downfall into darkness, although we'll get into that a little bit today. But part two, she really becomes a sweet little old lady, full-fledged serial killer. She's crazy. Sweet little old lady, full-fledged, that is one. If of course, oxymoron if you want to say before, that, just while, if you're not driving, listening to this, please just Google a picture of her. I'll have, I'll have pictures of her all over the social media, but how she looks is even scarier because she seriously looks like just a little cute lady that my grandmother played bunko with, you know, <laughs> bunko so it's like she's on the golden girls or something. I know it's just, it's insane, but she was something else. And I say grainy. But she she never had grandchildren. She just looks like a granny. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> Dorothea Puente, the killer granny. <laughs> so her early life, um, Dorothea Ellen Helen, sorry, Gray, was born in San Bernardino, California. Lots of California cases. Always, why are they always from California? <laughs> I'm so sorry. California, but what? I'm 
is so, going on out there? And our next case is in California as well. I'm so sorry, California. Yeah, I do team. not mean to hate on you guys. I can think of a bunch of them from California on the top of my head. Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Dorothea Helen Gray was born in San Bernardino, California on January 9th, 1929. Uh, she was the sixth of seven children, and she was the youngest girl, so she was a baby. And right beneath her was a little boy, a little brother. This was not a happy home environment, though, as you can imagine. Never We've seen never a pattern. Yeah. Uh, not at all. Her dad, he has a fabulous name, Jesse James Gray. He was a World War One veteran, but unfortunately, he was the victim of a mustard gas attack, which left him with irreparable lung damage. Um, Pat can probably tell you a little bit more about mustard gas. I know inhalation. First of all, I'm older than you. I'm not that much older than you. Well, yeah, you never had experience with mustard gas, no. but you know a little bit more about it being in the I mean, army. It's nasty stuff. <laughs> it it it'll um, can cause long term lung damage if you're if you have a mask on during a gas attack. Then it'll even blister your skin, but it'll do the same to your lungs. It'll blister your lungs, cause scar tissue, and later on, lung cancer, breathing problems, respiratory issues. It's, it's long term. It's awful. It's not always fatal, though. By the way. No, it's not a fatal. It's a chemical. I mean, I mean, when I say it's nasty stuff, it's obviously a, a chemical uh, weapon. Yes. In, in, in any of those type of operations, it's not really used anymore. Uh, it was used heavily back in World War One and those kind of times. It's yeah, it's pretty nasty stuff. Like I said, it's. So when he came back, he was really sick. He used to be a successful farmer, but when he came back from the war, he was very sickly, um, and he would remain sickly for the rest of his life. You'll you'll see later on he develops tuberculosis. So it it really tore him up. It ultimately killed him. He also suffered from PTSD, or as they called it back then, shell shock. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not feel too sorry for him though, right now, please. Uh, to cope, he drank constantly. He was an alcoholic. Jesse, he was suicidal, but he would regularly hold a gun to his head in front of his kids, threatening to pull the trigger while the kids screamed and begged him not to do it. That's just a whole other level of abuse. I understand. I know he's struggling, but that's it's, oh, that's so bad. Those poor kids. One time he even climbed a water tower with the intent to jump off uh, to his death in front of his children. But again, they talked him down, traumatizing. That's just absolutely traumatizing yeah. for those kids. Oh, if he does it that many times, it's almost like, it's almost as bad as him actually doing it. I know. Then you gotta worry about it every no, time. No, I agree, I agree. It's cold, but I agree, you know. Mom, Mom Trudy, May Gray, she was worse. Oh, <laughs> um. So, Trudy May Gray was abusive in a whole different kind of way. She was much, much worse, in my opinion. She was a tough lady. She actually hung out with a motorcycle gang around town. And she worked as a prostitute while she was married. She would disappear for just days at a time. Now, remember, guys, she has seven kids. Seven kids at home. It's a lot of kids. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, for, and she admittedly, openly admitted that she just hated children. She hated her kids. She didn't have any, she couldn't bond with them even at birth. So she was very neglectful to say, say the least. So why do it seven times? I'll never understand that, but here we are. Oftentimes she would come home just exhausted and hungover. But what was really bad was the kids would 
often see her return battered and bruised with a bloody face and black eyes and just God knows what happened to her. She was also an alcoholic like their father, Jesse. The only redeeming quality about this awful woman was for whatever reason, she had some kind of charitable soft spot for alcoholics and people that were really down on their luck. Um, she liked to house them and I don't know. It was just, it's really weird. She couldn't take care of her own kids, but she had the soft spot for people like her, I guess, you know? I was about to say, it's like almost like she does people she can't take care of. So she yeah. has a soft spot to do that. She can't help herself, she can't help her husband, she right. can't help other people that have, I don't know, maybe way off. No, no, you're right. And I say this because this is going to come into play later. So hang on to that. <laughs> uh, she was the main abuser in the family. Listen to this. There were times when Trudy uh, would lock Dorothea. And when I say Dorothea, I'm talking she was about two at this time. She would lock Dorothea and her younger brother. So if Dorothea is two, it didn't say how old her younger brother was. In a closet, and she would leave for days at a time. Days. Mm. I would venture to say that Trudy didn't have one maternal bone in her body, for sure. Unfortunately, Trudy was almost either always drunk or hungover, and um, she would vomit. And it was made Dorothea's job in the house to clean it up. Just to clarify, cleaning up her mother's vomit was Dorothea's job. So in my opinion, Dorothea was made evil. I don't know how you feel, but so far, just from what we know, she was made evil, I think. Yeah, but we don't know how she was born. I mean, you don't know what per person's inequalities are when they're first born. Obviously, her environment was not conducive to be... If she was born with any switch in her that could turn evil in the future, it was made ten times worse by her upbringing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're not even to the age of three yet. I'm just I'm just saying this is where what was happening to her before the age of three and four. Um, so, the gray children... Remember, they were neglected, so they were left unfed, and they, uh, Dorothea had older siblings that needed to take care of their little siblings, so they would wander the streets alone at nighttime when their parents were, or mother was gone and father was in bed asleep looking for food. Unfortunately, nighttime isn't exactly the time to find decent people out and about willing to help, right? Yeah, no, not at all. So unfortunately, numerous times, Dorothea at three and four was sexually assaulted, being the youngest girl and the most vulnerable in the bunch. And the siblings had no choice but to let it happen. They had to eat to live. Absolutely horrible. So again, I feel like she was absolutely made to be the way she is. Absolutely. Not excusing her future actions, by the way. So the Great Depression hit, and the Greys, as you can imagine, had it hard. Before the war, I'd said before that Jesse had been a rather successful farmer, but now he spent most of his time bedridden from his illness. He did receive a monthly disability check, but it wasn't nearly enough to feed and care for his seven children, of course, and, and his wife that prostituted, you know, the, the, those kids weren't seeing the money. No, not at all. Uh, so in the 30s, the family moved to L.A. to be close to the VA hospital for Jesse. And it was there that all of the kids, including three-year-old Dorothea, were made to work. Now, this was manual labor. I guess they didn't have laws back then where 
Only 15 and 16-year-olds? We got into the Great Depression time. Oh, yeah. All these kids were working, yeah. especially during the wars. These kids, I mean, kids were working in factories. There, there's even stories of pictures. You can see pictures of them. Yeah. People were selling kids on the side of the road. Like, hey, I need money. Can't afford these kids. I'll sell one to you. It's, yes. And I have a few cases coming up with that in it. It's crazy. I know. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Different time. Uh, now, this is manual labor, and we're talking picking cotton and vegetables and picking up trash on the side of the road, and it was for minimum pay. And with this, this such low-paying agricultural labor, the family was, they had to move fairly often. So they cycled between California, Oklahoma, and Texas, and they usually left, of course, right rent, when rent was due. <laughs> um, so life was unstable, to say the least. None of the kids ever felt safe, like they could relax. You know, they were always looking for the next best thing, and that's so, so sad. It's, it's, it's so important to kids when they're growing up is to have a place that's home that is safe. That... Even if you're moving around a bunch, and yeah. you just need to have some place that you're loved, and you know that there's a mule coming, you know? You know that you can, you know, let down some of the stress, you can let down some of the anxiety, or even like, amped up yeah well that's that's guarded yeah guarded, guarded. and that's up to your parents to feel guarded for you right a kid should only have to worry about like if they like macaroni and cheese that day they shouldn't have to worry about this kind of stuff oh, especially her age i yeah, hate so. that i hate that so with this age all this moving around and being neglected the older siblings were busy providing for the younger basically raising the younger and that meant that dorothea was left unimaginably lonely she began to cope by fantasizing, like a lot of kids, of course. We all fantasize, right, as kids? Um, but her, her fantasies were different. She created a whole new life for herself in her head, and it became very real. Why wouldn't she? It became very, but all of her other siblings went through the same thing, and you'll see, and I say this because you're going to see that she never, from here on out, lives a life, actually, she never did live a life where anyone ever knew the truth about her. Yeah, she lives in a fantasy world because that's where she she didn't have a safe place. She created right. a world in her head that was safe for her. Absolutely. But what's so funny is the stories she would tell people, they weren't they weren't stories that most little girls would make up. She would say stuff like she at this time she would tell almost everyone she met that her parents were in Mexico and that she was the youngest of eighteen children. Eighteen. Like, why did she pick 18? That's a lot of kids. <laughs> seven's a lot of kids. Yeah, seven's a lot of kids, but why would you say 18? I don't know. Maybe she said she was royalty or something. I have no idea. She would also say that she was born and raised south of the border. She would. She was just becoming a habitual liar, and you're going to see a pattern. Also, you're going to see me use a lot of different names because she never, ever went by Dorothea Gray. Not once in her life. She identified with the Hispanic population. So she said she comes from south of the border. Puentes is the last name she takes on. She always said that the um, Latino community, they always took her in and fed her in her neighborhood, and she identified with them the most. So she, you're, you're going to see a pattern well, over time. Makes sense. Eventually, and I know everybody's wondering, when is CPS going to get involved? CPS got involved. I was wondering up no. until this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, back then, they didn't get involved very much. I know they did, especially in that time. All the government money was going other places. Yeah, during the Great Depression. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
So it was actually an aunt who would call and report neglectful conditions. Unfortunately, as is often the case, all of the kids were split up. I imagine it's going to be hard for any one family to be able to take in seven kids, you know? Yeah, they probably had to do two at a time or maybe three at most. Right, here and there. Uh, The investigator that interviewed Dorothea, he asked her where she would like to live. And Dorothea said, I want to live with Daddy. I don't want to live with Mama. I can tell when Mama drinks because she gets so mean. Trudy had apparently left the marriage, I believe, because they weren't living together. He's probably still in L.A. getting treatment for all his VA stuff at the medical. So, for whatever reason, Dorothea was allowed to go and live with her father in 1937. Um, I guess he lived, it didn't say where. I guess he lived in a, a home of some sort, and she was allowed to live there. And he was mainly cared for by a nurse. He was completely bedridden. Um, her father's health took a bleak turn. He had been diagnosed with tuberculosis and was under the constant care of a nurse. So, he was sick, sick. Well, yeah, if you're, in a, if you're in a place like that, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, that was about the height of tuberculosis. It was, yeah. That's literally caught by someone sneezing and coughing that has it. So if you have a building mm-hmm. full of you know people that are cared for by nurses or a hospital even, mm-hmm. and one person has it. Everybody has it. That, it's... So we're surprised that Dorothea didn't get it. Yeah, actually. I actually have a really cool side note episode coming up down the road. Like it's kind of far down the line on tuberculosis. So I'm excited about it. Anyways. Instead of a person, a thing, right? It's it's kind of like a movement. A dark time in American history. And right, everywhere it's like covering, else. I'm saying it's like yeah. covering the Black Plague. Yeah, exactly, like exactly. Okay, so um, Dorothea, she wanted to go live with her dad. Uh, CPS obliged. And Dorothea helped care for her father. But he soon passed away only one month after them being re- reunited. So... That's really sad. It's unclear as to how in the world this was allowed to happen. <laughs> Probably because it was 1937. But Trudy decided to take all of the kids and move to San Dimas. Why in the world she was allowed all of her seven children? Well, a few of the children by now were adults. Yeah. So she was allowed most of the children. And she took them and she moved to San Dimas. She wasn't turning over a new leaf, though, just in case you were wondering. No, but she probably had just had to show, like, she act like she was to get them back. Because, I mean, obviously, they didn't have the child right. protective laws that we do these days, where even if the biological mother comes back in the picture, she got to jump through hoops to the court and all these things. Back then, it was like she came back and was like, I'm clean. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. And they're like, okay. But as soon as she got those kids, and right after they moved, she started drinking 10 times more than she used to. I guess the stress of having all those kids by herself. So much so that even the children's teacher noticed. So she had actually put them in school only to catch a break during the day. She didn't care about their education, of course, she as you can imagine. Nap, but she needed a nap during the day. The kids hadn't really been to school as, that much. The teachers did notify social services. And the kids were split up, but this time they were sent to live with relatives. Social services absolutely failed those kids and really failed Dorothea because she was overlooked. They left Dorothea with her mother. How in the world and and leave the baby girl 
<laughs> exactly what? I know. Well, authorities eventually would catch wind of their mistake. And they took Dorothea. And they were like, okay, we messed up. So we're going to take Dorothea and her four older siblings. Well, three older. No, two older siblings and one younger sibling. And they took them and put them in an orphanage called the Church of Christ Home in Ontario, California. I'm assuming there wasn't a whole lot of families looking for adoption at that time here. Oh, probably not, because you couldn't even feed yourself. Exactly. No one's trying to bring on extra kids when, yeah. you know, it's still the end of the Great Depression. You're still People are still reeling, poor, broke, working three jobs, 18 hours a day to feed them and their, you know, one or two other kids, or even just them and their spouse. Or so you don't need one, much less three other kids. Three or four of them is just too much. So in 1938, the next year, Trudy, kid-free, ran off with her new boyfriend and his motorcycle gang. The day <laughs> after this, I know Trudy was a mess. <laughs> Trudy, Trudy got rid of the kids and up and what? Ran out and joined joined up with the Warlocks or Hell's Angels or somebody and just rode on. Yep, she rode on off into the sunset, quite literally, because the day after Christmas, she was in a motorcycle accident and died. Now get this, this is nuts. The four gray children who were living in the orphanage, including Dorothea, only found out about their mother's death when they were dropped off at her funeral. Hey, where are we going? Oh, it's your mom's funeral. Oh, <laughs> that's how it worked. That's messed up. That's messed up. I don't care how abusive your mom is, but it's, it's still even, your mom. It's still know? even, But it's still even more messed up because these kids at this point might not even care about her. But it's still your mom, and this is how you find out? Well, apparently Dorothea took it hard. She took it She took it the hardest. Uh, in fact, Trudy died just two weeks shy of Dorothea's 10th birthday. So, I mean, she was she was young. She was a little girl. Yeah, she was a baby. All the stuff that's been happening to them, the older ones at this point, you know, they're, awa- they're awakened to it. They, they process it, understand it. She's still nine years old. Yeah. She's not fully grasping everything that was going on with her mom and CPS and she just had no chance yeah this changed her for sure yeah if she had no chance though why did her younger sibling not I know aside the only difference I see right now is the sexual assaults when she was little well I'm sure he probably struggled too in life but not to this degree that's what I'm saying so that that comes back to the point that you had something in you there's something in you that was just set on a path that was unrecoverable from very true so, for the next couple of years, Dorothea was shuffled between foster homes and relatives' houses. Dorothea's older sister lived with a super nice foster family. Like, they loved Dorothea's sister, and they loved Dorothea's sister so much they wanted Dorothea as well. Like, you couldn't ask for a better scenario in yeah. this case. And for whatever reason, Dorothea just ran away from living there. She, it's almost like when she had stability for the first time, she's like, what the hell is this? And just bolted, you know? Too many rules. Too many rules. Too much love. What is this weirdness? Yeah. So by now, some of her siblings were adults, like I said, with their own families. So in 1944, she moved in with her older brother, Jim, and his wife, Louise, in Napa. Oh, Napa's beautiful. I want to live in Napa. Not with Dorothea, though. Thank you. No, thank you. She would start her freshman year of high school here. So, in high school, good time for all of us, right? (laughs) Best of times. I mean, who didn't love every minute of high school? But Dorothea was actually pretty popular. 
But it was all based off of lies, of course. She, remember, she's a pathological liar yeah, by now. That's true. Uh, so she was really popular in high school, but it was because of the story she created and the lies she told. She probably lived some extravagant life that she never lived. Because well, and she would take real-life situations and build off that, right? So her brother's wife, Louise, who she lived with, was Portuguese. So she claimed that she was, too. In classes, this is how far she went. In, in all of her classes, she pretended to struggle with English. Like, como se dice? Um, like, really struggle. Like, it was an act. And then she claimed to have a genius-level mastery in mathematics, but she didn't. Like, and she wouldn't, couldn't pass math tests, but she claimed to just be way too smart to take their math tests. The school staff quickly caught on to all of this, and they called Louise, her sister-in-law, to see if they could get Dorothea in to see a counselor and get her some help. But Dorothea caught wind of that. She was like, hell no, peace out. And she left just three months after she arrived. So she's not going to stay any place too long right now. Nope. She's bouncing everywhere. She's bouncing everywhere, and she she up to no good, okay? Well, she that's what was her life for so many years. Like, she doesn't know how to stay yeah. somewhere. No, she doesn't know how. She She's never going to learn to accept love. She's never going to learn to give love. It's just she's broken, you know? She would go on to live at two more foster homes after that, but she would never finish high school, of course. That was the end of her education. I just think it's crazy she never allowed herself to accept stability when it was finally being offered to her after years on the street and sleeping in closets, and it's just so sad. So, at 16 years old, 16, Dorothea left her final foster home and headed on her own to Olympia, Washington. There she started using the name Sherry. And she worked at, this is where all the names are going to come to play, so try to keep up. It's all Dorothea, so I'll refer to her after I mention the name as Dorothea. (laughs) There she started using the name Sherry, and she worked in an ice cream shop. Eventually, her and a friend that she had made began sex work in order to survive. You'll see, you're going to see her just kind of blossom here in Olympia. So, get ready. Sounds like she's just graduating quickly. This was just after World War II, by the way. So there was no shortage of uh, soldiers available to hire Dorothea. And Dorothea, by this time, she had grown into an absolutely beautiful young woman. I know in her older pictures, like when she was arrested, she looked like a little old grandma. But when she was younger, she was gorgeous. Actually, when you Google her, because I just did mm-hmm. that earlier, there's one picture when she was younger of when she was probably in her 20s. Yeah, she was beautiful. So sad. But one customer in particular, because she was popular with the with the men paying clients, right? One customer fell in love with her. 22-year-old Fred McFall had just returned from the Philippines when he met Dorothea. He found himself paying extra. This is so sweet. Just to sit and talk with her after his time with her was up. Why couldn't it just end there, you know? He would soon propose and the couple headed to Reno, Nevada to be married. So they, all of her relationships you're going to see, and there are many, um, they're quick. I'm snapping my fingers. Just like her living arrangements. Quick, quick moving. I mean, fall in love quick. I know it's love bombing. What does that sound like? Narcissism a little bit. Okay, so this is really weird. 
on their I told you she loves lying, but sometimes, and especially in her younger years, she was really stupid about it. She said the dumbest things. On their marriage certificate, Dorothea listed her name as Sherial A. Raciel and listed her age as 30. 30. That's almost twice her real age. And Fred's only 22. So I don't, I mean, he had to have known she's not 30. Yeah. You know? I would think so. Like, you're not 30. I'm not stupid. It seems like she just lied for the sake of lying at this point. Like, she could get away with it, you know? Well, she, she's. And she became popular in high school for lying, so mm-hmm. she caught attention for it. So she's going to, you know, the kind of personality she has, it seems like she's just going to grab attention when she can. Yeah, I agree with that. Not necessarily for long term or for long Even durations. if it's negative, she's she getting attention. She just wants popularity and attention right. for whatever she's doing. That's why she, you know, it comes back to the high school thing for me. So McFall thought that her lies and stories were just freaking adorable. Like, they were so cute, so endearing. He thought she was just playing around probably all the time. He listened as she would tell strangers that she was a model, an actress, or a princess. He would. He was later quoted saying, She could pass for anyone she wanted to be by the way she acted. I don't know where she would come up with some of this shit out of the clear blue sky. It sounds like she is. By the way, we're about to feel real sorry for poor Fred. I already feel sorry I'm just for letting Fred. you know. Like, I feel like... He wasn't horrible, you know? Already feel sorry. (laughs) So in the late 40s, they relocated to Gardnerville, Nevada, where McFall would take a bartending job. And Dorothea would stay at home and shop. That was her thing. She liked to shop. In 1946... How much do bartenders in that town in Nevada make? Not much. Not enough to keep up with her. Oh, okay. And also, Dorothea had an image to uphold... With all of her lies. Remember, she's an ex-princess. Well, she's a fucking princess. So an, ex, an ex-model. <laughs> like. It, I mean, and it just gets crazier and crazier. So, in 1946, Dorothea gave birth to a little girl named Diane Lorraine. She was not happy being a mother, and she found herself resenting and hating the child in domestic life. Hmm. So, oddly enough... She became pregnant again in 1947. Sounds just like her mother. It's just insane. I hate kids. I don't want kids. Actually, my note she's... here says she found she finds she's not maternal like her mother. So, yeah, it's the same thing. So she true. keeps having kids, but she's like, I don't want kids. I hate being a mother. Oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one. Well, listen to what, what she does. <laughs> While her husband... Was that a creepy laugh? I don't know whether to be scared or excited because <laughs> I, I have sorry. no idea... You could be like laughing. Oh, guess what she does? And then she stabs the baby in the face, and it's just by the end. By the end of um, this whole two-part series, you're just gonna just be ready for anything. Like it's she's just a she's a journeyman. That's the best See, way I could describe her. A hot hit for the day right here just comes in. I almost don't like the two-part stories because. I don't get to see how it ends in the first one while we're filming it, while we're recording it. Like A cliffhanger, you mean? I don't know. It pisses me off. Oh, not my problem, bro. You're going to have to come back for part two. <laughs> Your problem, bro. <laughs> i mute your mic and everybody can just sit in silence. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, remember, she's pregnant with her second child that she doesn't want. Okay? So, while her husband was at work one day, Diane went to labor. She went to the hospital. She had the Diane? baby. Huh? Diane? Or, sorry, um, Dorothea. Oh, I was like, 
the first baby's name was Diana. Yeah, that's why Thank you for catching that. I'm like, <laughs> really confused, really you were quickly. looking at me, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> Didn't you just have a kid named Diane, and the kid's pregnant? Like, I was just really confused. I'm right. sorry. Proceed. Okay, so Dorothea, <laughs> she had Diane, right? And then she became pregnant again, and her husband was at work one day. She went to labor with her second child. She went to the hospital. The nurse gave her the baby, and Dorothea said, here, I don't want it. Give it to foster care. And the nurse was like, what? Really? And Dorothea's like, yeah, bro, do it. And then Dorothea came home, all while her husband was at work, by the way. And probably told him that she lost the baby or something. Got Diane, brought Diane to a relative's house, and said, you can have her. I don't want her anymore. So the husband got home and was like, why aren't you pregnant anymore? Where's Diane? She's like, oh yeah, about that. Good <laughs> ball. I mean, this, she is something else, guys. Jeez, and and this is like, this is before she gets bad. <laughs> she didn't kill she's anybody not, yet. no, she's something else. So, yeah. Holy. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. have words. Let, That's weird, let, I don't so have words. Let That's all that just... sink in. And this is before she gets bad. You can imagine when Fred got home, because he's not a bad dude. He's one of the guys she married that wasn't a bad person. I'm honestly surprised. Um, but he stayed with her after that. Why? I know. I was like, I mean, I, I don't I have no idea. I have no words. So we are back. And uh, so just so you guys know, um, we've kind of hit the level on our podcast, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, yes, thank where you. we start getting ads put in. Um, so if we take, we're probably going to try to do only one, maybe two at most an episode. Mm -hmm. So if you hear us take a break like that, uh, it's for an ad to get thrown it's in there. we have to. Yeah. And then uh, we may actually be on some ads talking about these things ourselves. Eventually. Which is really cool. We'll actually hear soon because what Anchor does, and if y'all don't know, we, we use Anchor.fm uh, for the podcasting, super easy views. Loving. Great place to start. Mm -hmm. uh, makes it real easy. Um, but once you hit a certain listening level, uh, you can start incorporating ads. Uh, and they actually go out and look for people to have to kind of partner with that podcast or whoever be ads and then we can record our own little ad for our own podcast uh, basically for that ad so you don't have to listen to some random ad about whatever it is but in the meantime let's get back let's get back to this get absolutely to crazy like 16 year old so where we left off fred came home dorothea had a baby gave it away and gave away their existing baby where are the kids at? Oh, bro. <laughs> um, but she ain't done yet. He stayed with her, which I can't even fathom. I don't know what he was doing. But in 1948, uh, not even a year after she gave birth to her second child, she became pregnant again. But this time it was another man's baby. Mm. And he actually stayed with her for a while until she suffered a miscarriage. And then Fred was like, you know what? I just, I can't do this. So he filed for, he filed for separation and immediately they divorced. That was his breaking point. Not when she gave up a kid and actually gave up two kids. Yeah, exactly. While he was at work. That would have been my breaking point. I'm just, yeah. I'm just he saying. So she got pregnant with another dude, still didn't leave. Mm -hmm. Then she had the miscarriage and he was like, eh, it's a little too much for me. They call that whipped. <laughs> no, they call that, I don't know what they call that. You look, look good for 30, bro. That's She's 16. What are you expecting here, Fred? 
Oh, you didn't set the bar high. Ready, <laughs> bro. You didn't set standards very high there, bro. I'm just saying. So don't be surprised what you get. That's so true. Okay, so after her divorce, her lies became even more outlandish. Oh, God. She And they get just worse and worse and worse and worse. So be prepared for just constant entertainment. She would tell strangers that she was married off to McFall because now she was divorced. So she had to come up with stories. She told strangers she would she was married off to her last husband, McFall, when she was just 13. And he had been killed in a tragic accident the day after their wedding, leaving her an adolescent widow. So, so <laughs> and he's very much he alive just, and looking for his... By the way, in, if, her mind. in case y'all were wondering like I was, he eventually got one of his kids back and then has a relationship towards the end with the other one, so it, yeah, I, I felt really bad for him. So Dorothea was completely alone, and she decided to head back to Southern California where she had been born. She was only 19 at this time. All this happened to her before the age of 19. That's nuts. Uh, she was determined to make it just whatever the cost, and when she said whatever the cost, she meant whatever the cost. Dorothea worked at menial jobs but she was barely getting by and she was not able to afford to shop for herself in the manner that she liked. Remember, she liked to dress fancy and pretend to be princesses and actresses and people that she wasn't. So she began to get close to people. She really favored people on government assistance. And this is when she began to steal people's money. Mm. Actually, police caught her and threw her in jail for forging a check. While she was being held, she was routinely seen by a doctor, and uh, she had just a normal medical evaluation. And this is hard to believe, but at 19 years old, this is the first time that Dorothea had ever just seen a doctor. I mean, she had been to the hospital to have her baby, but she had never been to a doctor before at the age of 19. And that was really due to neglect. And that makes sense. Poor. I feel bad for her as a child, not for her as an adult, of course. Oh, we've That's said this on numerous Feel bad times for the child. Not always adult. feel bad for the child because it's yeah. not in their control, but we don't feel bad for the monster they become. Absolutely. So a psychiatrist interviewed her, and he would say that she was impulsive and compelled to steal, but her thefts, they went beyond greed. She was deeply unhappy. She dreamt of a glamorous lifestyle that she didn't have, and she was desperate to impress others. So stealing was just a, a means to an end, right? So he said that she's definitely not a true criminal. Obviously, she's not going to hurt anyone. She had him completely fooled. He said that she was a troubled girl with no direction. So with this sympathetic doctor, she was only sentenced to one year in prison for two counts of felony forgery. But she would only serve four months before getting out on probation. Just four months. During those four months, though, you know what she did? What? She practiced forging signatures, perfecting her craft. So I would venture to say that theft was not just means to I think she enjoyed it. Like, she truly enjoyed it. Yeah, but you're, you know, definitely think she did enjoy it. She took that time to... to get better at what she did so she, she's probably in her mind thinking i don't want to get caught next time so i'm gonna get better at it she's gonna get better at it but what we're also seeing is um you know like, like we've seen in a lot of these cases and a lot of people we've talked about is the progression mm -hmm. 
right? The, cr the criminal progression. Yes. You know, she, she started out with sex working, which, you know, is a crime. Some people don't look at it like that way, but it is. Then stealing and forgery. Then stealing and forgery. Mm -hmm. But in her mind, she's already killed somebody. She killed off her husband in an accident. <gasps> I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Very true. Which probably made it justified in her head because he was gone, and she justified it because he's gone, and I don't want to be divorced. Right. He died. Well, then she just, in her head, is justified killing someone. Right. Which is not going to take long with the way she's progressing through actual criminal behavior where she's going to kill someone and justify in her head. Right. Which if you know about her, like, I don't know the whole story, obviously, as Courtney's going through it, but I've heard of her. I've heard her on other podcasts. I know the things she does. And I'm, and just putting it together here in her background, I, you can see it happening. She's going to start killing, and the people she's killing, she's going to justify. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're not, I'm, you're not wrong or right. I'll just say that. <laughs> you, I don't think you've ever said I'm right other than the last podcast. You're my husband. I can't ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you did say last podcast when I guess Black Dahlia. I had to because I was doing Black Dahlia. Because <laughs> there was proof to I the world. I was forced. There was proof to the world that I was right. My feet were held to the fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Okay, so by now it's the 1950s. And she is fresh out of prison, right? And she is far more confident. She is doing three snaps in a Z pattern, fresh out of prison. Confident. She's a confident liar, a confident Did criminal. Did you just try to explain what you were doing with your hands? It's a podcast, not a video. Duh. I know. <laughs> three <laughs> snaps in a Z pattern. So, in 1952, okay, I'm going to say this without laughing because I, it, it took me practices today. I'm just letting you know. The fact that you practiced this makes me smile. Shut up. <laughs> in 1952, she met a Swedish merchant seaman. Seaman. Seaman? A seaman. <laughs> it's pronounced seaman. No, it's not. It's seaman. <laughs> His name was Axel Johansson. That's a name. It's a good name, I think. I was about to say, tell me... Like, just throw some names out there. Don't, don't actually do it, but if you think about, like, you know, Nordic, Swedish, Denmark, any of those kind of names up in those areas. We have Swedish listeners. What up, Sweden? Huh. Love you guys. Basically, a Swedish family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. So, they quickly fell in love, and they were married. Uh, she now went by the name. She told Axel that her name was Taya Taya. Oh. Single, Singoalia? Singoala. Dash Johansson. That's a name. So, so she just... Taya Singoala. Played Scrabble through some tiles on the floor made a name. I think, I think so, actually. But Taya is a beautiful name. And she, um, she told everyone that she was a Muslim woman. She wasn't, by the way. Whose father had been Egyptian. He wasn't, by the way. And mother of Israeli. Israeli. Which she wasn't, by the way. <laughs> just she just pulled it all out of her butt. Wow. Okay. Also, she was an ex rockette. Really? Yes, she was a rockette, but her dance career tragically ended after an accident. Her co-star was doing a high kick and knocked her off the stage into the symphony pit, and she broke her leg, and her career ended. Was she standing in front of like it's a Bruce Lee movie? It's a lie. I know, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I could even visually think about it. Like, have you ever seen the Rockettes? Everybody knows they're famous for that really long line where they're doing the high kicks. 
So why is she in front of, why, how is she getting kicked in the face if they're kicking forward? I don't have answers to that because it's not my life. But you're right. Yeah. No, I, I'm bringing up that as a point. Is you, you talked about her earlier and how ridiculous her lies get. And it's like, you just, you just look at her lie and think about it. You're like, really? How is that even possible? Oh, it gets better though. She, she also claimed to be a world-renowned chef. World-renowned. Paris. Italy. Yeah, and the first thing I'm going to say is like, dude, what do you want me to buy that you can cook? Like, yeah. I'll pay you to cook. Like, what's up? <laughs> she also claimed to have starred in several movies along with her baste, Rita Howarth. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> this woman. And Axel, he just thought, by the way. It was adorable. Yeah, and that, that was my next line. He thought later on that it, it, she was just adorable. The story she came up with. They all thought she was just funning around. It's like, honey. Having fun, making jokes. Honey, this pathological lying is only cute for so long, if ever, really. But She's only like 20 at this point. Jeez, oh, it's just so bad. But Dorothea Axel, remember he's a seaman. And he would often have to go out to sea for long periods. I'm only laughing because the face I'm you make sorry. trying to say it like that, when I'm, it's actually pronounced the other way, but you're just like refusing to say I'm it. I'm a 12-year-old boy. The face you're making, I can't even look at you when you say that. Anyway, tone it down, Pat. I'm trying to get through here. Okay, then don't say <laughs> seaman again and we're fine. Dorothea, she, she began drinking heavily around this time because she was left alone quite a bit. And since his job as a man at sea... Required frequent trips oh out my. to sea. So now we're, now we're going to man at sea. Was you going to be a nautical expert next? A nautical expert. So when he came back, this is sad. I feel bad for him. Well, he's an asshole, so don't feel too bad for him. But uh, he would return and neighbors would be like, bro, while you were gone, I saw these taxi cabs pulling up to your house and they were dropping off like strange men all hours of the day and night. In and out of Dorothea's apartment, or Sherry Al's apartment. And so she was cheating on Axel, and it was made very clear. They began fighting. She was drinking a lot. Dorothea had also developed a shopping and gambling addiction. That's rough. So she was quickly spending all of their money. But she had big plans, big plans to change their financial situation. So, Dorothea, she, what does she know? She knows the sex industry, right? She's, but by, by now she's in her 30s. So she didn't want to prostitute per se. So what do you think she did? Did she run prostitutes? Yep, she, she did. Pimp? Exactly. Uh, well, one better. <laughs> so with her knowledge of prostitution, coupled with her savvy business sense, she would make the perfect madam, she believed. So she ran. I was going to say she, madam. She opened up a brothel. She I was going to say madam, but then I went with pimp just for. But she went to L.A. I don't. She technically didn't. She left Axel, but she was still in the marriage. And he was out to sea because he was a man of the sea. So. His wife left him to open up a whorehouse. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but she opened up this brothel in L.A., under the guise of a bookkeeping service. Mm. On the odd occasion, she would service the clientele herself. She was running a fairly, actually, lucrative business for a while until in 1960, the building's owner, because she was just renting the building, 
um, he began to kind of catch wind of something fishy going on <laughs> with his tenants and the people that were coming in and out. Uh, so he called the police and an investigation ensued. It was officially launched. The office opened in the morning, her little bookkeeping service. It opened in the morning and it closed in the evening, just like any other business, just like any other legitimate business, I Mm -hmm. should say. So Dorothea did a really good job making the place seem legitimate from the outside. Investigators, they would find out that these so-called book, this is really funny, (laughs) that these so-called bookkeepers, they had a secret phone number. And when you dialed the phone number, They heard a woman's voice advertising the quote-unquote house special, which was a blowjob for $7.50. Oh, that's a pricey blowjob for back then. But I mean, I don't know the going rate, but... I'm about to start questioning how you know the... uh... Well, $7.50 was very pricey back then, wasn't it? I have no idea. I don't know what the inflation rate for the blowjob is. the inflation if that's the case, it's probably like $2 million every last year. Let's, do, let's don't Google that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't Google. I mean, Google it if you want to. But no, don't. don't, don't, don't. Okay, so cops decided to go. This is really, I don't know what to think about this. Y'all tell me. Because this blew my freaking mind. Cops decided to go undercover dressed as truck drivers to try to bring down the business in Dorothea, right? Mm-hmm. So they even went as far as to renting a semi-truck. They stopped at a payphone two miles before they reached the brothel, and they called, and they requested two house specials. And the woman on the other end, it was Dorothea, she said, we're happy to oblige, of course. So when the men entered, Dorothea and her associate, Bonnie LeCart, greeted the men. The men each paid their uh, $250, $750 up front. I don't want to shortchange them. (laughs) Bonnie would be taking whoever was ready to go back first, but Dorothea offered the men a quick fondle of her breasts for free of charge. And the officers did so, but what Dorothea didn't know is that both of the men had rubbed a special fluorescent powder on their palms so that there would be no question, like, who they touched and that they were there. I'm like, that... Seems like y'all just wanted to touch some boobies. Like, <laughs> I bet mean, you're sitting there in your briefing room and you got like 20 cops in there and they're like, so we got a yeah. thing going on. I need two volunteers. And everyone's like, oh, hell, I know that would be volunteers. He's like, I need to rub special powder on your hands when you touch the boobies. That's what happened. And everybody was like, yeah, I don't know about that one. You, it's just, weird. you just wanted to touch a boobie, sir, didn't you? For free. For free. Um, well, it, y'all, this is so funny. Okay. So the officers um, did so. But what Dorothea didn't know, of course, was there was a powder on their hands. Um, The other officer, he rubbed his hands up and down the back of Bonnie's legs and on her buttocks, fluorescent powder and all. Afterwards, right after that, the cops announced, you know, hey, we're the cops, you're under arrest. But first, we want our money back ASAP. And they demanded their money back. I can't even wrap my brain around that. <laughs> okay. But you don't go undercover and sample the product. And no they want your industry, money back. No matter what. You, first of all, you don't go undercover and sample the product. So, so if they're dark skin going, you're going to start doing all this no, shit. No, we're talking 16 bucks. <laughs> 16 bucks. 
Because they didn't want to pay 16 bucks to grab a butt and a boob. <laughs> okay, so even though um, this was not a bookkeeping service, Dorothea, she kept immaculate detailed books of clients' names, services, charges. So the evidence was definitely there, and there was no doubt that Dorothea was going down for this. So she was arrested, of course, and sent to jail. But before a judge, Dorothea tried to plead and claimed she was unaware of the office that she worked at was a brothel. Like, I didn't know where I worked with a, was a brothel. But no one believed her. She faced charges of prostitution and also pim pimping. But she worked out a plea deal for a much lighter sentence. Get this. She was only sentenced to 90 days in a Sacramento County jail for being quote, unquote, in a house of ill repute. Is that even a real charge? I have no idea. That's insane. Ill repute? It's L.A. back then. Yeah. So they probably were just like, let's just get rid of this thing. Like, if she's going to cop, dude, you know, plead guilty to it and give her nothing. So stupid. Okay. So she went back after 90 days to her husband, Axel Johansson, and... Things were strained, to say the least, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. It was at this time that Johansson was like, you know what, babe, you need, you need to see someone. <laughs> like, you have you have some issues. So, so he was all being a semen, and mm -hmm. you're struggling with that, aren't you? I'm fine. Okay. You didn't sound fine. I am an adult woman <laughs> that can handle it. But he's off, he's off the seat doing his thing, mm -hmm. and he comes home... <laughs> She's been in jail for running a whorehouse. And <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? Where you been? Store, Walmart, <laughs> well, Target. Her, she's, she's escalated there because her last husband, he, she was pregnant and when he went to work and came home yeah. all the kids were gone and she'd give birth. He, he had her committed to a, a psych ward actually in 1961. So he tried. Um, a doctor there, this is a crazy diagnosis, um, she was diagnosed by a doctor there with an unstable personality. <laughs> okay. Same. <laughs> but I'm not her. <laughs> you know? No comment. No yeah, just sit that one out. Yeah, you? I'm going to. So after that, she started immersing. We're, we're joking. He's not, but I am. After that, she started immersing herself in medical books. This is crazy. So serious up here. Um, she read them just faithfully. She loved them. It was her thing. She especially enjoyed. So she especially enjoyed reading about holistic medicine. So that's when she started telling everyone she was a holistic nurse, and she even treated a few neighbors and friends. See, this is kind of fascinating to me mm -hmm. because I know who she was and what she did, mm -hmm. but seeing, I don't know hearing all these things, even that part right there is fascinating. Knowing what she did and how she did it and who she did it to, that's kind of fascinating because you're literally learning like that's where she... That's why it's she... so important for us to go over this. No, no, I'm loving it because you know you see her background and you're like, how does someone become like that? That's it was, the first thing you think. It was going to be a quick study of her. You know, this was going to be one of those mini episodes. Yeah, you said that about the past four. But how could it, you know? No, uh, like I'll stay tuned because this just gets so nuts. Yeah, like I said, though, as someone like me who doesn't who knows about these people doesn't deep dive into them, to hear these things, knowing who they became, it's like, oh. 
I even heard a rumor that she convinced a few neighbors that she was a midwife and delivered a few babies. Like, and did okay at it. Like, no one died. She did have two kids, so she's kind of... Well, she actually read books, you know? I'm, I'm not... Anything you can learn, you can learn on YouTube. Back then, it was anything yeah, you could learn. Books. You could, you know, I'm not books. saying she had two kids so she knew how to deliver them, but she's been through the process, so she kind of knows. And then she reads the books. Makes it better. Right. It's better than if I read the books. Yeah. Because I've never given birth to a kid. And I, well, I would, I've read lots of books about lots of things, but I'm never going to go off and pr- profess to be a... You know, I sit here and do this, but I'm not going to tell y'all that I'm a criminal profile profiler. I'm not going to tell y'all that I'm a. This is what I do for a living. Yeah, that I have a doctorate or something. I don't, you know. This is something I do in practice. Yeah. I know stuff about it, but I have no credentials for it. So, Axel, of course, he was like, you know what? I, I can't with you. You're too much. Too much. Um, he did beat her. There was several articles I read. He was very abusive, so we're not going to feel too bad for him. But he legally divorced Dorothea in 1966. Though, you're going to see that she continues to use his name. Yeah, you said at the beginning, though. Mm-hmm. So, remember when I told you in the beginning of the episode about Dorothea's mom, Trudy, and she had a soft spot for the alcoholics and the down and outs, and I said, hold on to that? Well, I believe that this influenced Dorothea to do what she was about to do here. She called herself Sharon John, jo- Sharon well, Johansson. If, if you know about her, it, it obviously influenced oh, her obviously. in what she did in later life. Obviously. Which she became famous mm-hmm. for. Which coupled with her medical learning and expertise and all those kind of things. Maybe, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I apologize. I digress. No, digress. I love digressing. Yeah, you digress a lot. I just I digress. I live to digress. You literally do it in mid-sentence. I do. <laughs> so she was calling herself at this time Sharon Johansson. And she began dressing like an old woman wearing granny glasses. She looked a lot older, by the way, than her late 30s, which is what she was here. She was in her late 30s, but she looked like she could be someone's grandmother. I don't know how old she sure. was when she passed away, but she looked very elderly. Yeah, well, when she was arrested, she looked very elderly, and, well, you'll see. Hang on. Stop digressing. Sorry. I'll okay. just sit here in silence. She was in her late 30s by this time, but like she looked... the rest of the year. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but she looked much older. Uh, she wanted to give off... It, this is all very plain, though. Everything about Dorothea was very planned, very premeditated. She wanted to give off a trustworthy, grandmotherly vibe, Okay. Is it premeditated? I feel like some of her stuff is super premeditated and others is just like awful whim. No, yeah. She'll feel angry at someone and be like, you know what? Off with your head. So. Or she'll just go home and take your kid and get rid of she's it. She's the queen of or hearts. Or her lies. I, she makes up a lie like on the spot. You know, she can be so Alice in Wonderland, the queen of hearts. Yeah. I feel like she is the embodiment of Dorothea. I really do. If you really go back and study the character, maybe that's just my sick mind, but. I'd have to go back and really look at it. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, the Johnny Depp version, not so much the, so the, is it Helena Bonham Carter that plays her? No, so what I really want to do is go back to Malice in Wonderland, not Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's a dark one. So, what better thing to do than to open up a home for the needy? So, we're going to take a quick pause real quick, so if it sounds like we skipped a little bit, we didn't, because our yard guys uh, decided to show up and start leaf blowing and mowing the lawn, which we're here for, that's what we're here for. But, uh, we, we Appreciate you, long guys. Okay, so 
she opened up the Samaritans. Is it's what the house is called. I thought that was really weird. It's called the Samaritans. Isn't that weird? Like I would call it the Samaritan house. Yeah. But anyways, maybe that name was taken. I don't know. Or she's just crazy. So it was going to be a home for drunks. And that was her words, not mine. She living in Sacramento. It's, it's easy to find people in need and, uh, especially alcoholics and even more so alcoholics who receive some sort of, some sort of federal assistance. Benefit for it. Because yeah. remember, that's what she looks for. Because she knows how to forge signatures, right? So she can cash those checks. Now, maybe back then in that time frame, people were getting it if they developed, you know, a drinking problem or alcoholism right. based off of other conditions. Uh, maybe the government was still at that time looking at. By the way, she did not just take in alcoholics. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, I know that it she was, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But even now, I mean, it's it's. She weird. just called it that and said it was for the. Drunk. She just called it that. But she really zeroed in on the alcoholics, and along with that came other other people. Of course, Dorothea had zero experience, no training, no certification that qualified her to run a business like this, but she got around this by keeping the business unlicensed, which meant... She was submitting documentation or anything. It meant that she would be unable to administer... She could run a business, but she couldn't administer medication, and she could only take in a few tenants at a time, according to state law. So just two or three at a time. So she could still do it. She's if she wanted to stay under the radar. Just stay under the radar. She's yeah. got to follow a few rules. Right. Perfect for her. So, but during this time, she was a socialite of sorts. Because remember, she wants everyone to think she's hoity-toity and just doing a princess. Uh, this crap from the depths of her soul and the goodness of her soul. Um, she was donating and attending fundraisers for various Latino charities. You're going to see this as a pattern as well. So oh, yeah, hang so on to this. I think this charitable move had more to do with her getting her name out there and less to do with being a good person, just in my opinion. Free advertising. Well, yeah. Well, and she would just but... open up this, you know, house. Uh, also, I imagine the money that she made these very, by the way, the donations were very charitable for the time. The money that she made these donations with is not her money by any stretch of the imagination. She was a con artist. Yeah. I mean... She's a forgery master. She's a con artist. Call her what she is. A thief. Not yet a murderer, but con artist and thief. Clearly growing in enterprise. Right. Uh, soon enough, news spread about the kind woman who ran the quote-unquote home for drunks, and she acquired more and more tenants. Yeah, was, they also weren't PC back then, so... Yeah. Saying a home for the drunks was fine. Right, Exactly. So she began dating. Remember, by this time she's in her late 30s. She began dating um, a young Mexican-American man named Roberto Jose Puente. Do you recognize that last name, Puente? Yeah, it kind of sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. In 1966. He was only 21 years old. She's almost 40. She's like 37. I didn't do the math, but yeah. 36, 37? Okay. Okay. Uh, as all of her relationships seem to do and will do in the future, uh, spoiler alert, this does not have a happy ending, uh, this relationship moved very quickly. They immediately made plans to travel to Mexico and marry. While she was away at her destination wedding, she had uh, a young man living at the Samaritans named TJ Hosley. 
and he would be in charge of the halfway house while she was gone. He was a tenant and he was only 24 years old, but he was different than everyone else. He was an engineer and he had a master's degree. He had had a bad accident that left him with uh, head trauma. So he was just there recovering, you know, but he was super educated, super smart. He loved Dorothea. Because he was such a bright and well-educated young guy, Dorothea really trusted him to, you know, help out a little bit around the house and take care of a few things. Now, Dorothea's new husband was very openly unfaithful to Dorothea, very openly. Uh, everyone knew about his womanizing, it seemed, other than Dorothea. <laughs> I think she kind of just turned a blind eye oh, to but it. Oh, she cared. Um, however, it's thought that TJ was the one to kind of break the news of Roberto's infidelity to Dorothea. The following day, after TJ told Dorothea the news, like, hey, I think that your husband is being unfaithful, um, he went on a brief outing, possibly did, TJ. When he returned, he walked through the front door of the Samaritan's house, point day, Dorothea's husband, uh-huh. punched Hosley square in the face, breaking his nose, and I guess all for interfering. And Hosley laid in a puddle of his own blood while Puente came after him again. But Dorothea showed up and she just beat the living crap out of Puente, knocking him down a staircase. Like, knocked his ass out. Yeah. She held her own. Puente got up and he drove back to Mexico in Dorothea's car. He stole her car and drove back to Mexico. And he's like, deuces. Because that's assault. You know, I mean, he he just beat probably Dorothea first before TJ got home. And then TJ. Yeah. If so. I had to guess. I also think it's kind of funny that Dorothea is so pissed off about Puente cheating. Since she herself is just, like, well, literally owned a brothel. She's hurt. And cheated. You know, had men coming in and out from her last marriage. It's just the hypocrisy. Do what I say, not what I do. Right. So this domestic disturbance, it caused a big uproar around town, right? Because she was the woman about town, right? And now, now she's the victim. Now she's, well, she used and the it. Savior. She used it. It ultimately tarnished Dorothea's reputation. So she did what she did best, and that's to lie to garner sympathy. That's what she does. Uh, but she was dumb about it. <laughs> She told everyone who would listen that her marriage dissolved because it it turns out that her husband was gay. But she also told them that she met him just seven years prior to when they actually met. So that means if he was 21... He was 14. That he was 14 when they met. So why would you say that? That makes you look really bad, Dorothea. Well, when she was 16, she said she was 30, so... She's just not good at this, but... Yet really good at it, you know, if that makes sense. She's probably charismatic and very good at reading the situation. People are manipulative. And she looks like a very innocent, elderly woman that you wouldn't give two looks to. And And she's also probably a master manipulator at this point in her life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the lies couldn't really keep her afloat this time. And the Samaritans was ultimately a failed business endeavor. However, she would soon make a comeback. And really soon. Because by the early 70s, she felt confident enough to open an even bigger home for the down and outs. And this time I mean down and outs, not just drunks. 
she leased a huge Victorian house that was three stories tall, white, immaculate, inside and out. It had, get this, 16 bedrooms. Like, is that just available in Sacramento? 16 bedroom Victorian house. If it is, what does it cost? Each bedroom she paid for and had it fully equipped, like with TVs and a little kitchenette and stuff. Like she went all out. She pulled out all the stops. So well, you know, she's stealing it. <laughs> so she lived they lived in luxury that they had not experienced before. A lot of the times this was their first time. Listen to what else she did. She called it the Grand House because it was obviously grand. Uh, she hired two full-time cooks who would even cook extravagant holiday meals. And she would even invite... Now, she's scamming all these people. Spoiler alert. But she would even invite these tenant social workers to come and have holiday meals with them. Oh, she's trying to manipulate and play off the validity of what she's doing. She is the most brazen person in the whole world. So these social workers would, after the fact, after the fact, note that um, Dorothea did tell a lot of extravagant stories. And they were weird ones, of course, but she never, like, gave off a creepy vibe. You know, she was never harmful. It was never harmful. It was just odd. She was embellished. Like, for example, she said that she lived through the Bataan Death March in the Philippines. And she had also been, this is Dorothea, she had also been in Hiroshima when the U.S. dropped the bomb. Like, she was there. Okay. But nevertheless, people admired her and the work she did. I mean, she is doing the Lord's work, you know? She's just telling stories. She is helping these people. She's just a crazy old woman telling stories, you know? They only knew. Yeah, right. She even kept her rule of not taking anyone who needed special medical care, which would require her obtaining a license. So she was trying to stick to the rules right now. As lovely as this all sounds, it wasn't. <laughs> the Grand House, it operated, it can best be described as a cased system. So um, everyone, it was like a pyramid scheme, sort of. Everyone who lived there that enjoyed the luxurious conditions, you had to provide all of your financials to Dorothea. Give it all to her. all Full control. All of your checks, social security, disability, it all had to go through Dorothea. She was your middleman, per se. Mm-hmm. If you, mm-hmm. and the bigger your check was, the nicer your room was. Yeah, because the more money she made. Right, right. So, tenants, um, all tenants who refused to do so, they quite literally had to sleep in the basement in a small, in small like cubicles separated by hanging bed sheets. There was no light bulb down there, so only during the day there was light, and they had to share one bathroom. Yeah. So basically, I've got these like I don't even know like squatter level, borderline homeless configuration down there. But it's better than sleeping in a cemetery. But you yeah. have a roof over your head. Right. And a bathroom and all and those kind of things and food. Yeah. But if you want any kind of decent room where you want any kind of privacy, you gotta pay me. Yep. By paying me, I mean let me control your money. Guys, please don't let a stranger control your finances. I don't care how bad things get. 
it has to be even be said. It's just I mean, crazy. I, but you'll see how more and more people were just so thankful for her to have a say in her finances. They were desperate for so well, long. Then again, it's obvious that people are down and out. They're suffering through things. They've had. They're struggling mm-hmm. through stuff. So if someone else is going to come in and say, "Hey, I'll handle all this. I just want you to recover." Oh, she was charming. Get better. Take care of yourself. I'll handle all the stress of the bills, the finances. And you know, she talked like, I'll handle it, baby. Yeah, she had that grandma voice or that that, caregiver voice. I'll take care of What's your favorite meal? Master manipulator. I'll have our cook cook it for you. Yeah, master manipulator. Don't fall for it. I'll take care of all this. You just get better. You just just work on you. Baby, I'll handle it. Oh, man. Well, also... Keeping him down in the basement, it kind of kept him out of sight and out of mind. So when, like, the caseworkers and social workers were there, no suspicion was raised either. So, I mean, it was a catch-22, I think. So, this gets even better. Um, Remember when she declared, after her stay in the mental institute, that she was a holistic nurse? I'm a a nurse. Like, I am a nurse. nurse? Because I read a book that one time. Yeah, yeah, I remember well, she was a doctor now, Patrick. In fact... Well, it's been a few years. She clearly had the schooling time. Get this. She opened up a medical practice. She had, like, a little bedroom in the greenhouse. Well, I mean, she had 16 of them, so may as well. And she even printed out a bunch of fake diplomas, and she framed them and hung them up on the walls. So, audacity was on sale with this one. <laughs> like, she that's was... Been, that's been the theme of the story. That's been the name of the yeah. game. I mean, it's just... It's just BS after... She's she, like, you know what? I'm a nurse. Yeah, I'm a doctor now. She, I mean, she's been doing that since she was like 12. Hashtag growth. Did you just hashtag out loud on an audio? Yeah. Okay, I'll just... That's what the kids do these days. That's what the kids do? Catch um, up. I don't know what the kids do with their... Snap world and their... World. With your book face. Face space and... Face space. Insert... That's Instacart. What? <laughs> okay, anyways. <laughs> so, just happened? <laughs> so this is how far she went. She even went as far as to buying a bunch of medical equipment, and she started telling people that she was a renowned surgeon. She's not just a doctor anymore, guys. She's a world, world-renowned surgeon. The Latino community, they were so grateful for her. They even referred to her as... Uh, La Doctora. Oh, she's bringing, you know, obviously, what was this, back in the 60s, 60s, right? Mm, yeah, wait, so, let me see, I forgot. Still a whole lot of discrimination going on back then. Yeah, even well, it, yeah, it was by the early 70s. So even as the early 70s, there's still a lot of discrimination, it's just not legal anymore, right? So, yeah, she's claiming to be of Hispanic she's origin, and she's, you know, a doctor, and she's a woman. And she would give them free medical advice and attention and to make a name for herself. And she would give them, people in the Hispanic community, um, specialized injections that she called vitamin shots to make them healthy. What? And I know, can you imagine what was in there? I, I'm kind of curious what was in there. I don't want to know, to be honest. In fact, there was even a real doctor, like a real doctor, that regularly came by the house to perform checkups on tenants. And he was so impressed with Dorothea and her diligence and her work ethic that he hired her to be his assistant for a time. Like, he actually hired her to be a doctor's assistant. Oh. Yeah. Nuts. 
like how convincing would she have to be? Do, do you not check resumes or credentials? <laughs> so she has a very well-planned little fraudulent scheme going on here. But guys, things are about to get much darker. Are we getting to the... We're getting to the nitty-gritty. And this is just kissing upon the tail end of it because it gets worse. Next episode, you're going to have to tune in. I'm so excited for y'all to hear this crazy bitch's story. But for right now, we're going to carry on and just kiss on the tail end of it. So remember Dorothea liked to control all of her tenants' finances. That's her thing, right? Yep, she wants to manage all their money. Yeah. I can honestly say I'd never let someone manage my finances, but apparently many of her tenants had zero desire or ability to handle their own finances, which I, I get. I think ability I get is more of their, a desire. Yeah, which I get in their scenario. So these people were just unfortunately so grateful for Dorothea, which makes this 10 times worse. They wanted her to be their middleman, you know, their kind of accountant and caretaker. Uh, TJ, remember him, Hosley, the engineer with some issues that was living there to recover? Yeah, the one that narked on her uh, husband. Yeah, and yeah. Face. He was still around at the Grand. I would have left, <laughs> but he was still around. He was he loyal. Had to go. <laughs> he later recalled after she was arrested, spoiler alert, she got caught. Um, he later recalled um, a tenant named John. He was an ex professor. He unfortunately became an alcoholic. He found himself uh, living in Dorothea's basement. He wasn't willing to give up financials, I guess. Apparently, John was a brilliant man. He was an academic, and he was an expert in shorthand. I had to Google shorthand. It's um, something to do with writing. It's a. It's a very. It's actually very complex. I thought I, I've always heard of shorthand, but it's a very complex. Like oh like a shorthand writing system, but it's a language. Okay. Anyways, uh, it represents like different words have symbols and I mean, it's just huge. It's really complicated. Anyways, he received a letter from a New York publisher. He wanted, uh, they wanted him to write a book on his shorthand method. They stated that they were going to send him a $25,000 check for the rights. This was absolutely life-changing for John. He had lost his job. He had lost his friends. He had lost his family. I mean, this was the catalyst for him drying up, sobering up, and changing his life. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so the the day he received his check, it was that night that he was hanging out with TJ and, like, telling him about this. But... The next day, TJ woke up and he was gone. Like all of John's belongings were mm. cleaned out. Dorothea said, TJ was like, what happened to John? And Dorothea's like, he moved out in the middle of the night. It's so weird. Wow. It's weird, dude. Dude, it's so odd, right? Too much publicity coming. So after John, there was a very quiet tenant named Chief, which is so cute. Chief, I love Chief. it. Chief. <laughs> it's adorable. He was, in fact, an ex-recovering alcoholic that Dorothea personally took under her little evil wing. And she made him her handyman. You're going to see a repetitiveness. She she 
kind of hooks your talons into these ex-convicts and ex-abusers. like and Sounds about right. Yeah, and calls them her handymen. But they're handymen to a degree, but they also do other stuff. Anyway, so Dorothea would have Chief dig up many large holes in the basement floor. Yeah. Red flag? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And then after a time, she'd be like, hey, cover up those holes with cement. Weird. I mean, it's a little weird. weird to me. She also had him tear down an old garage on the property. And then after a time, she'd be like, yeah, pour down some concrete because we need to build a garage here. <laughs> Where it stood <laughs> in its place. <laughs> then one day, Chief just was gone. No one ever saw him again. He was gone. Mm. So she's under the concrete. That's where. That's where. <laughs> yeah, that's where this is going. Um, so in 1975, Dorothea met and, as her pattern is, quickly fell in love with a Puerto Rican laborer named. Pedro Angel Montalvo. And you can tell that's part of her name. Mm-hmm. Dorothea Montalvo Puente. He it's was actually, yeah, it's a lot of names. He was actually a tenant at the Grand House because he too, like most others were, they were battling alcoholism. She, that's her thing. That's what, that was her mama's thing, too. That was her mama's thing. She played him from the absolute start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she she was like, hey, you know what? You didn't say spoiler on that one. I know. You don't need much fun. <laughs> because actually, spoiler alert, <laughs> this was her shortest marriage. Jeez. Yeah, and that's pretty bad. That's crazy. Okay. Okay, so she played him from the absolute start. She, she was like, hey, you know what? I'm Latina. I was born and raised in Mexico. And my dad... Yeah, he still lives in Mexico, and his name is Jesus Sahagun. That's sure. his name. And she she didn't, like, go public with him at first, but she would secretly have Pedro, like, spend the night, because, remember, he's a tenant, like, in her mm-hmm. master suite. Mm-hmm. And so for a year, he kind of did that. He was her man candy. And on August 28, 1976... The two of them got married in Reno, Nevada. I think that's where she just takes her husband's to marry. Oh, it's, it's like Vegas. Reno yeah, it is. Vegas. You can go there without a license and get married in 24 hours. Oh, that's true. So, this time around, Pedro was actually older than Dorothea. That's new. I know. By uh, one or two years. But he was severely immature, and people described him as nervous. Well, immature makes sense, because he's acting like a 30-year-old. I'm, I may be wrong, but... I feel like he was probably on drugs of some sort, like maybe crack. Because from the descriptions I've read about him, in my opinion, it, this is my opinion, not fact. He was always nervous, shaky, very uh, quick to the jump, quick to the draw, you know? Why crack? I can't think of anything else. Cocaine? It could be any drug. Cocaine? Could be. Like an upper? Could be any drug. A definite upper, though, from the descriptions I read. Well, he's it would always have on to be. edge and always in anxiety. He could just be high. He could just be on. He just could be very angry. He was an asshole. But everyone was like, "Dorothea, what are you doing with him?" You know. And she just thought he was the cat's meow. She even taught Montavo a lot about how she ran her business, and she like let her help him. 
in the house, which I would never do. But she she couldn't entrust any, anyone else with this mess, I think she thought. So she just kind of honed yeah. in on him. Honed in on him. So in a very controlled sense, in a very she-controlled sense, they were business partners. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he was the maintenance guy, and he was... Yeah, I think he just did a lot of manual labor. She probably let him know how to run the business, as in, like, this is when you collect this, this yeah. is when you take this, this right. is when you do that. Do not this. Like, not, yeah, not the financial. No, she wasn't like, no, here's no, the books. No, no, no. Like, you should be getting this much from this guy. She didn't exactly. You, mm-hmm. She probably made him the enforcer on all this. Probably so. Need to go the muscle. So, however, things were not so great in Paradise, spoiler alert, Montalvo would say... He actually said that Dorothea's severe mood swings frightened him. Mm. Uh, after some time, he noticed that her stories became conflicting. She had trouble like remembering her own lies. He quickly realized that she couldn't speak Spanish. And being born and raised in Mexico, that didn't make a lot of sense. With a Mexican father who still lives in Mexico. Yeah. And she and she was like just fresh south from the border, and you can't even speak Spanish. That's insane. <laughs> so it's definitely a little odd. Definitely a red flag. It is obvious to him that she had to have also been stealing money, and she was not a doctor nor a rich woman. Like he caught on. He wasn't stupid. He was an asshole, but he wasn't stupid. He actually began drinking a lot more than he did. When he moved in, I think he was trying to be sober when, when obviously, he moved into the house, right? Mm-hmm. So he began drinking a bunch, and he became very physically violent. So they both weren't good people, and it was just a toxic combo. He even, this was rough, he attempted to stab Dorothea between the eyes during one of their drunken rages. And that failed. Because she fought him off. Because she is a bad bitch when it comes well, to fighting, right? If he had succeeded, a lot of people would have lived. When that failed, the stabbing, he turned around. He went and found her kitty cat and killed it right in front of her. Don't know how. So, this is mind-blowing. But this was the shortest of all of her marriages. That's not the mind-blowing part. Um, this all happened, what I just said, in a week's time. <laughs> That is... That's mind-blowing. So, Montalvo left Dorothea in the marriage just one week after their wedding. And in that week... All that happened. There's been fights and beatings. There's been fights. Cat killings. Cat murders. (laughs) The poor cats. (laughs) And then the marriage, it was so short-lived that it was easily annulled. So, technically it never happened. So, I would like to end... Oh, is that the end of part one? Part one here, because part two is about to take a bad turn. I'm just, I'm just intrigued because I've known what she's done as, you know, Dorothea Puentes. Puente. Puente. Mm-hmm. My apologies, but we, I know what she's done as the grand killer. Mm-hmm. I've heard it on other podcasts. I've, mm-hmm. I've heard stories, seen, seen documentaries, and you've watched her, things like that over the years. So now I'm intrigued to see how... Her, her childhood and mm-hmm. all the things you just talked about that I didn't know anything about and how those correlate. We've already started making connections mm-hmm. into the end of the story with all the stuff she did, did, what she was doing, how she was doing it. We made all those connections that a lot of are. I mean, I know me personally, I had no freaking clue. 
I'm so glad. How it progressed the way it did. So now it's some light. <laughs> no, it's now I'm intrigued because <laughs> now I see she how she got to be what she is. Mm-hmm. Now I want to get into the deep dive of what she became mm-hmm. and how that correlates to how she got there. And oh, we will. Uh-huh. I have no doubt, baby. I know you're going to go. I have no doubt. Crazy deep. I'm about to take you up into a journey with Dorothea because she's something else. Anyway, I feel, okay. like, I feel like it's a good spot. I'm kind of intrigued to hear the rest of it. I'm, I'm ready okay, good. to record the rest good. of it so we can get it. To, I'm sure everybody listening is like, don't stop. Like, we're I not going to know what's not, going on. Well, hopefully. But we will not make you wait too long. This weekend, we'll have it up. I like it. I like it. So again, we love your feedback. As always, you know, guys, yep. we love you so much. We it's we so love y'all. it's so cool to see we've, people from different countries listening. And, yeah, I was gonna oh say we. God, we've I been, love uh, y'all. I think two or three episodes ago, we were excited because we had two countries. Belgium, now we're up to four. Sweden, Russia. And we got monetized. I mean, how amazing is that? And that's all because y'all. And by monetized, it. it just means we're allowed to have yeah. ads and stuff on yeah. our thing. We just we have enough listeners, and this this is really cool. Um, that people actually want to hear the two of us talk like dumbasses for a while. Yeah, because even if five of y'all want to listen in, then we're thankful and we will keep doing it. And we, we love, love doing you. it. We're having a fun time doing it. We're having it, so. so much fun. It's bonding time for us as a couple as well. So It definitely is. It's, de- it's, definitely, it is. it's definitely a good time for us to spend together. And, you know, it gives me an insight to, you know, as I've, My I've mind. Yeah, <laughs> as I've always said, this is what Courtney, you know, she, her, her dream job when she was growing up probably would have been a criminal profile. And I think she said it, it would be. And I've, I don't know how many countless movies and documentaries I've watched with her about anything criminal profiling or serial killer related because it's just, she's just fascinated with it. So it just gives me a deep dive into her mind. And I find myself like just fascinated by it because, you know, I'm intrigued by the same things and I don't know all this stuff. And I don't necessarily have the time or even sometimes the desire to like read books this deep right so the fact that you do and we can sit here and talk about it is fucking awesome i love it i love it that y'all are like and all my hobby it's it makes it just makes life amazing and i'm so happy thank you guys i love you all and hey just a couple more days and we're gonna have part two out so stay tuned um follow evil pudding podcast is that right on uh instagram Hey, at, on evil. at evil pudding podcast um is it at evil pudding podcast it's evil pudding okay. podcast you can email us at, at evil pudding podcast at gmail and then uh yeah talk to us that way guys we want to hear you if you're on we if you go on anchor you can leave a voice message for us we can actually incorporate people's voice messages onto the podcast <gasps> if we wanted to y'all i would love to do that and that'd also, be awesome that'd be awesome if someone wants a message that we could just throw it in there because literally what y'all recommend i'm like okay and i buy books on so keep it up especially when you get multiple that's why we said ted bunny or you get multiple recommendations so yep. before we were able too much mm-hmm. we love y'all love you thank you thank you and uh thank you for joining him on the pudding pod you're gonna try to make that stick fetch it's gonna not, stick fetch is not gonna stick okay mean girl reference i've never seen mean girl well, that's right i'm the one that watches the teenage girl dramas that's and but anyway i watched serial killer <laughs> documentaries <laughs> anyway we love y'all we'll see you all Peace in out, a couple guys. days Bye. in part two Thank you all.